0: Hey loves, welcome back to Strip Down. I'm so excited for this incredible guest today. She has been seen like literally everywhere, like Good Morning America, on like major TV shows, featured in major editorials for her kid hacks, her parenting hacks. She's a true expert. Dr. Lisa Payam Berlin is a passionate and compassionate leader and expert in resiliency. She shared leadership, family strengthening, and prevention with more than 38 years of research, advocacy, and program implementation, focusing on evidence-based services and initiatives. Fondly called Dr. Lisa, she is also an experienced clinician and clinical hypnotherapist, working with parents, adults, and children of all ages to address their underlying emotional issues, change behaviors, and reduce anxiety, fear, and loss just to honestly name a few. She has a PhD in social work from Ohio State University, a master's in social work, and master's in public administration from University of Denver, and a bachelor's of science in psychology from Georgetown University. Dr. Lisa believes asking for help is a sign of strength, and she envisions a society where all parents, children, and youth thrive in resilient families and communities. And like I said, she's been published in so many academic articles, you know, books and chapters on resilience, parents and shared leadership, part of U.S. Department of Education. You know, there's just so many ABC Nightly News, Today Show, like New York Times. When I say she's an expert, I mean she's an expert. You want to really get, you know, great advice, great hacks, everything we're going to talk about today. You're going to want to tune in because she is just amazing. Dr. Lisa, welcome to my show.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Allie. It's yes, a pleasure thank you for being here.
0: being here. I'm so excited to have you. I mean, your background is absolutely amazing. Clearly, you know you know what you're talking about, and you know you really. Um, I just love how passionate you are about that resiliency and that you know asking for help is a sign of strength. I think so many of us have such a hard time, whether it be a parent, a child you know, older adult, whatever it is that, you know, we feel so vulnerable and asking for help and whatever it may be. And I don't know why, you know, myself included, I don't know why like I feel like that, you know, like I'm, you know, in a place where I'll be like, oh, I, I you know, I'll just figure it out. I don't want to ask, you know, and it's like, why do we feel that way? So i love that you're so passionate about, you know, being resilient and about asking for help and have it, that be a sign of strength. Versus a sign of weakness. So can you share a little bit more that obviously I didn't say in your bio about kind of how you got into this, how sure. you, you know, found this passion and everything? I would love to hear.
1: Well, number one, you know, I was raised by wonderful parents um, and I always knew I wanted to be a mother. Um, and when I got married and we decided to have children, that was very important to me, not just as a researcher and a social worker develop expertise, but live this life. Because living this life is very different as a parent. So first and foremost, I'm passionate about people as human beings. Mothers, fathers, grandmothers, tias, abuelas, whatever. We are first and foremost humans and very complex humans. Then we take on this role of parenting and people want to leave the human beside, over there on the side. And say, well, that's not important anymore. Now it's just your role as a parent and we're going to pressure you to be this perfect thing and perfect way and perfect way to children. So parents feel very shamed and blamed. Society is all about, well, are you helping the children? And when your child is a problem, it must be your problem. So I got into this work to help people, basically, and to support them in their journey. You know the old saying, there's a lot of ups and downs in life. What's important is not that when you fall down that it's going to happen, but that you're able to get up and move forward. And that's what resiliency is, because some people get up and they're frozen in time. They'll go to work, they'll, they'll take care of their kids, they'll talk to their family but they're still stuck. They haven't figured out how to go forward. And I kept seeing this over and over again. So it's not just studying the issues, it's about understanding and listening to parents, listening to them and honoring their challenges, whoever they are, whatever their background is. And of course, COVID has laid this other layer on it. I'm the president of an international organization that's 51 years old called Parents Anonymous. And it was created by a mom who was out of control, saying that she needed to go to a group, she needed to talk to other people. This whole thing about being isolated was clear to her. Her childhood was riddled with all kinds of problems. She had mental health challenges in adult, drug and alcohol issues, domestic violence, and this kid was triggering her every way. Now, she went to the point where she actually hit this child and turned her whole life around and created the weekly support groups. Parents Anonymous is the only evidence-based weekly support group. I'll say that slower. There are a lot of programs out there and they might make you feel good, go to them great, but check out whether there's any research saying they actually build on the strengths you already have. We are not about putting people down. Parenting is not like cooking. You and I, Allie, get the same recipe. If we're basically the same altitude, we basically follow the same recipe and have the same cake. It's not that way. My Emma is this way about potty training and your children are that way. We may share experiences one another and build a sense of belonging community and trust so that you can find that journey for your answers for you and your family based on your values the way you you want your children to grow everybody wants a positive experience but we forget that parents are the ones who are beating down on we're criticizing them no matter what happens and um, or we're idealizing these roles and saying oh it's so easy it's so easy if people have resources to get other help etc but many people, the problems they had before COVID are still here. And they're just layered on the fear and anxiety about COVID. And I think that's why we talk a lot about asking for help as a sign of strength. I just want to say to all your viewers, we have a helpline. It's for parents and youth. It's for grandparents who are helping out, like in your situation, or your uncle who come who you live with and who's helping you out with your kids. And it's one eight five five for a parent or four two seven. 2736. And that is a place where you can just pick up the phone and call and say, I need to talk to somebody now. I need the support I need now. I need to figure out what to do now. And that's available to you. In California, we also do online support groups and people can go to caparentyouthhelpline.org and sign up to join an online group. So during this time, people need accessibility to services and services are there. The infrastructure for most services went away during COVID. So somebody could have been disabled at home and needed home health aid. Well, that person's not coming to the house or people don't want people to come to their house. And then being locked up with all your children and your family is a whole new environment, 24 hours, seven days a week, while on the outside, people are feeling the sense of fear and loss. Um, One of the most important things is for parents to cut themselves a break. There's no perfect parent, and there's no perfect child. And this, people call it the new normal. I'm not even sure it's normal yet. I don't think we know what our life will be. The camps aren't open, daycare is open, schools aren't sure what they're doing yet, and all these things are swimming around people who are trying to work, make a living, um, and be in close quarters all the time. There's no break. So scheduling breaks for yourself, taking care of yourself, as a mom or dad or stepmom, same thing for your kids. People need to sort of say, there might not be a perfect schedule. How can we have fun? How can we laugh? People need a laugh even in the face of COVID because we know laughing, hugging, and singing with those you live with, okay, no hugging with people, not, um, really releases all these great um, uh, neurotransmitters in our brain, simply put. It does a lot more and it doesn't cost anything. You don't have to go anywhere to hug and laugh and and sing and dance and play. All these things, lighten up your load, but also do things to you on the long term and help your kids. Kids are feeling like, you know, mom's running school, like, like I gotta, at school we had a break, at school we went to recess, at school we did this and that. And parents need to pull back a little bit because pressurizing yourself is just pressurizing your kids. And there's just nothing that is requiring you of that. Kids will learn things eventually. They will be socially more developmental when they interact with their friends over the internet or whatever, but they will do all kinds of things. It's not that everything is, in some ways it feels like things are standing still, but staying the course, Building your resiliency. I want to say something, Allie, about resiliency. I always imagine a tree. A tree. It has these roots in the ground and all these different branches of the roots, family, friends, neighborhood, religious organization, you know, your your social groups, whatever makes the roots strong. You're totally nurturing those roots all the time. You know, so the tree gets the water, you know, there has to be nutrients in the soil to keep them strong. But the tree at the upper part, the wind comes, the animals come it snows, a branch falls off, and it's sort of swaying a little bit. And that's where the resiliency comes in, that people are bouncing back from situations that are occurring. Something happens at work, somebody in the family gets laid off, somebody has um, a medical problem, um, et cetera, et cetera. And how you bounce back is, is in tune with how strong the roots are. All these things that happen in life, that you are bouncing back from some you control and some you do not control they're just coming your way but strengthening those roots are really important for everybody parents and kids
0: yeah and I, th- I think that's a great message you gave with you know resiliency and obviously uh as far as the phone number and the website and everything you gave i'll put in the show notes you know for those that are listening and want to know obviously um how to get these amazing resources but i love what you said about the tree and i also really appreciate you shared that this also came from your own experience of stepping into being a mother and stepping into parenthood because as you know I'm a new mom of two and it is like you said very hard and there is no you know perfect playbook and there is no oh do this and do that because every child is different and it can be extremely overwhelming and you feel so alone and this is pre covid when you feel this way and now you're really in it you know whether you have a partner whether you're family you know what whatever your situation may be I think even in the best situations, we're still feeling overwhelmed and somehow isolated and alone and everything else just because of the way the world is right now. And the fact that you said we are feeling like we are standing still. And that's really hard. And I know like, you know, you and I talked about before we came on to record about staying sane while you work and parent at home. What are some like tips and tools and hacks that you would share about that? Well, first of all, I highly recommend that everybody meditate. Yes, I
1: love meditating. It's the deepest, most accessible, and most effective thing you can do. The science is very clear. After 11 hours of cumulative meditation, not at once, not in three days, could take you six months, you actually grow gray matter in your brain, the structure of brain change. You don't need a college degree. You don't need to spend any money. I mean, you can find an app you like that you really like, and if it helps you meditate, I say right on. All you need to do is sit in a comfortable chair or sit on the floor. If you can find five minutes, no children, no phone, no TV, no this and that to find those five, 10 minutes for a new mom like you with a newborn might be really difficult. It could be at 2am, whatever it is, find that time for you. Even if you sit quietly with and, and have your, your hands open so you can receive the energy and just breathe in through your nose slowly and out through your mouth. If you listen to music, I highly recommend no words in the music, just like a musical background. That helps me tune out like the stimulus. Closing your eyes are important because you can drop into your body easier when you're not looking at the lights or something's flickering. And people say to me all the time, oh, my mind is racing. I'm thinking about my kids and dinner. I can't meditate. Well, that's the reason to meditate. Every time your mind wanders, use your breath to release yourself from whatever angst, worry, or tension comes from that. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do over and over again. There's lots of nice guided meditations that might be thematic, that you might want to join a meditation group or whatever. I tell people what works for you. And because you won't do it. And I suggest don't lie down. If you meditate to lie down to go to sleep, great. But that doesn't count towards changing the structure of your brain. You need to be awake. I mean, you need to be in some kind of state. You can sit on a pillow to be comfortable. You can put up, put, up, uh, push your back up against the wall. And it, sitting on the ground is too hard. Just plant your feet flat when you're on a chair. But the most important time, put a timer on, five or 10 minutes. You'll think that's forever the first time. And then it will seem like the more and more you do it, it reduces anxiety and stress. Who You can teach your kids to meditate you can do it as a family event. Yes, younger kids will squirm and try to talk to you, and one of your talents will be to just keep doing the behavior, breathing and keeping your eyes closed, keeping your hands open on your thighs or legs, and so that you can receive the energy, and they may run around, they might not pay attention, maybe a seven-year-old will. I've worked with many families where the teacher calls the parent and says, excuse me, can you tell me what Morgan's doing with this meditation on the playground? And the mom says, Yeah, he learned meditation in the children's group of Parents Anonymous, and he's using it to resolve these problems on the playground. The mother didn't even know. The teacher was so impressed. And I would highly suggest that every school district, when they do come back into session, and I have challenged some of them, if you spent five minutes, teachers, parents, students, staff, all quietly meditating, you'd reduce the angst and concern that these kids have and the families have. The behavior problems go down, attendance goes up, and learning happens easier. So, if we can do anything that's free, why not do it? It's easy yeah. to do.
0: I love that you shared that because I love meditation. I was so that woman that could not meditate to save my life. I would sit there for like two minutes and like look at the clock and be like, oh my gosh, how much longer? Oh my gosh, I have to go back to this. I have to do list. I have this. This is before, you know, children, and I could not sit. And then I went through postpartum depression with my daughter Amelia and after going through that I learned how to meditate and sit with myself and I gone to therapy and all these different things to you know work on myself and work through it and meditation I say I swear it saved me and now I meditate almost every single day and anytime I feel myself spinning out of control I force myself to find 5 minutes out of my day and I meditate
1: which is wonderful and you know I take my hat off to you because especially when you're saying I had postpartum depression for many years, we didn't even acknowledge that moms had that and people know, were thinking and thinking and sinking. So when we say asking for help is a sign of strength, we mean it, whatever the issue is. People, like you were asking me, people feel well, nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody's going to help me. Somebody's going to criticize me. Why don't I, especially postpartum depression. Why don't I love this child? It's not that I don't love them. I just can't express this feeling now because something's going on inside of me and moms are so worried that somebody's gonna look at them like you're crazy or you should never been a mom or how could you feel that way because they don't understand it as as truly a a psychological serious issue that needs to be addressed. So if we blame people and shame parents for everything, why aren't your kids acting perfect? Why aren't you happy with this baby? Why aren't you smiling? Why does your hair look like If we're all judging people, why do we do that? Why are we just supporting other people and embracing? It's the same thing about a face covering. The face covering, when I wear it, I'm saying I'm not going to get you sick. I care about you, even though I may be six or eight feet from you. I'm doing something that we in America, like the Germans and the Spaniards, have done already to bring their numbers to zero, said, we are going to do this because we care about others. We care about other people. We're going to spit on them. And you're wearing a mask and I'm wearing a mask. We're doing something for each other. And we often say in Parents Anonymous, in the giving you get. So when I drop my groceries, if we were standing in the grocery line and I knocked my grocery cart over, Allie, what would you do? I would pick up whatever you dropped how great and how would it make you feel simple answer what's the first feeling you'd feel good for helping hi right. you just gave the essence of the therapeutic idea of the in the giving you get when you reach out and hold the door for somebody or now we're not even touching if you smile at somebody well you're wearing a face covering maybe they can't see you but people smile back it's contagious but first and foremost you feel better yourself we need to do those things that make us feel better. Secondarily, I'm so happy you're helping with my groceries and I'm like such an idiot and I'm getting help getting my groceries. So secondarily, I'm getting it better. But the first thing, when you reach out to another, hold the door, the simplest gestures and the gesture of wearing a mask is the same thing. I'm telling you that I am going to protect me from you. And I expect the same from you because we live in the same society. We live in this country that's facing this you know, ep- epidemic proportions of a a disease and pandemic, we don't even understand when it's going to end or how it's going to be. So in all that world of uncertainty, what you said is everybody feels that way, Allie. Meditation, I can't do it. Oh God, I couldn't sit still for two seconds. That's the point of doing meditation. People do mindfulness with your eyes closed. And there's some differences and distinctions where you can take a walk and take in all the detail of nature, the street, the textures, the sounds and the sights, but you're not saying it outwardly. You're just thinking about it. That's mindfulness, which also reduces anxiety, depression, and all kinds of things. And who's not feeling anxious and depressed? I mean, who's not walking around thinking like, oh my goodness, did I wash my hands six times today? Did I do this and that? Did I scratch my nose? Am I going to be able to balance this with that? So giving ourselves this time to do the meditation or mindfulness will have a cumulative effect. Just like you said, you started out and said, forget it. <laughs> this yeah. is only voodoo, you know, right.
0: on I was like, There's no way. This is like some woo-woo crap. I can't do it. And, you know, like the meditation was so overwhelming to me. And then it was like, okay, I started focusing on a couple minutes a day. And after I did a couple minutes a day, I built up to 10 minutes a day. And now I look at my app and I've done 1,008 minutes in the last six months. And I'm like, holy crap, I would have never thought I could do that many minutes meditation. It's the
1: same thing when you decide to take on a sport or a kind of exercise, and you said, you know, practice, practice, practice. You didn't, you know, go to a Zumba class or decide you were going to do a sport as a kid, and all of a sudden you're a miracle basketball player, a miracle soccer player. People had to practice it. It's just like lifting weights. You don't lift a weight once, or you know, or do isometric or do Pilates once, and all of a sudden get core, strong core. No, you've got to practice and practice. And what I keep saying to people, it's free. You know, you can just listen to your own breath. You just keep doing it, keep doing it. I think there's more acceptance around meditation and teaching your kids to do it. So I think that's a very important thing. Also, what I said first and foremost was cut yourself a break. These are unprecedented times. The more pressure you create on yourself to be perfect, to keep to a schedule, to do all this, it's just going to set you up to be extremely tense and extremely unhappy. So give yourself a break, find fun things to do with your children and your partner, your husband, your wife, and and by yourself. Because I think that people are not taking care of themselves, especially moms, busy moms like you. It's like, oh, who's got a second even shower? This one's crying, that one needs fed, this is that, they're up this, is fitting. Oh my God, the laundry hasn't been done. It's like 25 outfits on the ground. You know, you don't have enough hands to deal with it. Right. And that part of motherhood is also a process of moving through that and realizing you're gonna have lack of sleep, you're not eating well, and you're not exercising. Because a newborn baby, three weeks old, takes a lot of attention, and in some ways, If you can find the way to nap when the baby naps, okay? To not decide to do 20 chores because the baby's (laughs) which all of us did. I mean, I did that with Jeremy, my first one. Oh, I'm going to be superhero, right? I'm going to be doing the laundry. He's sleeping, and I never got enough rest. And I said to myself, this is nuts. I've got it. He's napping. I'm napping. You know, uh, my my husband's taking care of him. Good. I'm going to go listen to some music, or maybe then I do the laundry, whatever. But when you look at the end of the day, have you taken any time for yourself, which meditation will provide first and foremost, but then to do anything fun, whether it is dancing around your living room or, or singing, I, I can't tell you enough, singing, smiling, and laughing. They've done studies about laughing. Even fake laughing has the same impact about releasing these endorphins in your brain as real laughing. So wow. you can just fake laugh. I tell everybody when I leave meditations at the end, we always fake laugh. We always cheesy smile and everyone's got their eyes closed. And so do I, because smiling also, even if you don't feel like smiling, these are very simple, powerful tools for all of us. And especially if you've got kids, you know, they, they want to see you smile. So that whole interaction as a parent is you're feeding off one another. I know we have a very, um, Socially, we're just waving to people from a car and, you know, we're, we're not seeing our friends and families in the same way. So our immediate family who we live with becomes that, you know, and tune into that kid. My other general idea for people, I don't like to say tips personally, because I think is this kid, I was talking to a mom two days ago, she said, this kid or one of her sons totally motivated, the other son unmotivated. So she's got two different children at home to deal with, whether it's homework or summer activities or who's bored and who can't do this or that. And tuning into the temperament of even your young baby, who's expressing her temperament. Are your two kids the same in their sleeping patterns? Is is your young, is your youngest like your 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 first child?
0: Well, Arlie, my newest baby, is honestly not come wood. She's she's so chill. For being born, you know, during uh, a pandemic and uh, literally being born when the riots broke out in Los Angeles, she is so chill. Like, she cries to nurse. She's a very hungry baby. But other than that, she is just laying there. Amelia will be screaming, running around all crazy. And she just lays there and is like, la, 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 and, like, isn't affected by it and You know, and I think also maybe from my meditation and everything I'm doing, she's sensing I'm way more calm, which where Amelia, like you said, I was trying to do the same thing, superhero, do the laundry, work online, work on this, do this, do my podcast, all these things while handling a newborn. And I was making myself insane, holding myself to the standard of like, make sure you do a million things and then sleep later. And I made myself, you know, nuts. And I think Amelia felt that very stressed Overwhelmed energy all the time of me freaking out until you know the postpartum depression came to you know a halt and everything was going on and it was like I couldn't ignore it anymore and I had to get help and do everything to you know move myself through and thank God because then I became a way more relaxed and allowing myself grace and you know a better mom to Amelia and better you know woman to myself and wife to my husband and I think that that really helped me then now with Arlie to be able to be like, okay, I know I'm not going to do able to do everything. I'm not even going to try to, I'm not going to freak out. Like I used to, if something doesn't get done, like we had to cancel our podcast the other day because I had my daughter going crazy. Had that happened with Amelia, I would have lost my shit. You know what I mean? Like that was how I used to be now. I'm like, okay, expectations lower them, you know, and I'm okay with it. But I think like you said, the meditation has really changed the way I think of things, the way I react to things. And I'm very grateful that meditation has become a real tool in my toolbox.
1: Well, I think you also said something very important about self-love. It's like the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence is that self-esteem was always, I'm going to be, I'm going to compete with everybody else. That person's prettier smarter, richer, or whatever. Has a a better house, a better marriage, a better kid, or whatever. And everybody with brown self-esteem felt like crap because they felt like they could never live up to what somebody else, what they thought was the standard they'd be. Self-love is all about, and self-confidence is all about accepting who you are. You're still setting goals along the way. Here's what I want to do. But you're only... Competing with yourself. You're setting your own sinners rather than these outside centers. It's just pressure and pressure. And I always say to people, okay, so what are you giving up? Well, a dirty house. I'm thinking, like, can you get sick from a dirty house? Like, what's the greatest fear you have? Like, when you're upset about something, parents and kids, even asking kids, what's really going on? You know, oh, you know, my friend, whatever it is, listening to them about what they're crying about and what they're really upset, and then comforting them and letting them express that is very important. Okay. But at the same time for yourself, so what the clothes are dirty. So what the house is dirty. Is that a standard you feel you're going to be judged with, or you're laying on what you think other people expect of you? Self-love is I can handle a dirty house. I can handle, they can't get a haircut. I can handle this and that. Because the most important thing is that I feel good about myself. If I don't feel good about myself as Dr. Lisa, then I'm not going to feel good about myself in my role as mother, wife, sister, friend, cousin, or whatever. Just like when the airplane pilot says, "Excuse me, when the um, oxygen mask comes down, put them on yourself before you put it on a child or somebody you want to help." Why is why is why is the pilot saying that? Because you have to take care of yourself first. And they're also saying. Another very serious thing is if you don't do that, you could be dead by the time you put the oxygen mask on the other person. He's not exactly saying that. He's saying it's very serious. You need to put it on you. Oxygen is so you can breathe. It's just not care. It's like you're not going to be able to breathe. They're actually saying there might not be enough time. While you help your kid with the oxygen mask, you might not have enough time to put it on you. Literally speaking, think about it. It, it. It's almost like a scary little message. They're saying on the plane, the, not a lot of people are flying now, but the idea is when we say take care of ourselves, we really need to break that down. What does that mean for you, Allie? How much rest do you need? What kind of nutrition um, really balance between protein and carbs and things like that? How can you take a walk and go outside? Where is it safe to go outside? You know, people aren't going to the gym. Maybe they are in some kind of glass bubble. I don't know. But there are all these kinds of things that we have to figure out but giving yourself a break and saying, it's okay, the laundry's dirty, you know, it's okay, the dishes haven't been cleaned. You know, if you can, buy a bunch of paper products, your recyclable products, so you don't have to wash so many dishes. Um, You know, there's other things you can do to think about, aha, what's the the shortcut between A, B, and C? How can I get there? But if you're going to judge yourself so harshly, you know, because of what others think of you, what your mother or your mother-in-law or your father may think of you or your friend, You need to keep that all outside your safe circle. I tell everybody, put your arms out, lock your hands, stretch your arms out. That's your safe circle. Put everybody in there you love and care about and who loves and cares about you. And keep everybody out of that circle. So all that judgment and all that, you know, those ideas of other people, they don't fit for you. And you don't have to accept that or let it in. Because what you need to let in is love and support. And that's what you need to give. That's what the giving in the giving you get is so important. And people need to see that, that, okay, well, those people live that way. And that person thinks that way. And that's not me, but that takes a lot of inner strength, a lot of feeling that self love and self worth that you're able to say, well, this is what I want to do. Can you accept that your older daughter runs around? Okay. She's running around. You set some safe limits for her. What's going on with her? Does she need certain kinds of attention? Because her little sister is getting a lot of attention, right? Because of the physical nature of caring for a newborn, a three-year-old newborn, right? Mm -hmm. So she may be reacting to all that. Keep your ears and eyes open. I always say to the parents, you know your kids better than anybody. Tune into them. Whether it's the teenager who can't stop playing this obnoxious music, which you don't don't really understand, and grunts every time you ask them, how are you? Uh, uh." (laughs) Figure out how you can connect with them. Like, can you explain this music? Oh, mom, you'll never understand. Oh, you know, you're, you're from the wrong generation. And then start to tell them, what did you do as a teenager? Yeah, well, you know, I was just like you. You know, and I listened to music my parents didn't like either. And I did this and this and wanted to wear fishnet stockings. And my mother said, they look terrible. And my mother was European, literally. And You know, in the sixties, we wore, you know, fishnet stockings and she thought, and short skirts. And my mother thought it was horrifying. My grandma thought blue jeans were only for the peasants because in Eastern Europe, the only people who wore blue jeans were the people working in the fields. And, 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 and my grandma thought it was ridiculous that you like blue jeans. And I'd have to say, but grandma, that's the style. And She'd look at me and smile and she'd think about it. She was a very stylish Hungarian woman. And I'd say, style, grandma, you know, different ways people dress. And she would roll her eyes. But it was a way to connect. Any way we can connect as humans. We're humans first. Parents are first humans. And again, people think, oh, they need people need to be educated. I'm like, sure, there's always information to listen to if you think your child has a specific issue. You can learn about developmental things. So you don't think, oh yeah, my three weeks old, you know, they should be sleeping through the night. Well, that's ridiculous. Three-week old babies don't sleep through the night. Okay. Right. And some babies don't sleep through the night for many, many months after that. You know, knowing the milestones is information watching your child and see how they respond so you don't miss anything and asking your pediatrician or whatever about questions you have but don't set this bar so high you know my kid's not crawling exactly these weeks and it says in the book to do it just ask your pediatrician you know i see their army crawling but they're not gotten up yet or they're you know aren't they supposed to be doing this and that by now well let me look at that and so understanding your own particular children and giving yourself the braid will make, parenting is a developmental process. Every, as your children get older, you're gonna parent differently. You're gonna have a different kind of relationship with your kids and it will, it'll be the longest relationship you have. Because no matter if your children are adults, you have a different role with them. When they're teenagers, you have a different role, but you will always be mom, dad, stepmom, grandma, Tia, uncle, Joe, whoever. Your role doesn't change. They're growing and changing as they're developing, and you're growing and changing in your relationship. I learned a long time ago as my kids became adults, and they're both two wonderful adults. One's a, a photographer, one's a filmmaker, Or Darla's in Guatemala. It's much better to wait till she calls me and says she needs me for something. Even though I like to talk to her more often, I talk to her every day if she called me. But I realized even as my children got older that, I was waiting more for them to reach out um, so that they could grow their own identity, not be so connected to me. You know, I wasn't feeding them and diapering them. They were older. You know, I, they didn't depend on me to wake up and get dressed for school when they got older. So there are different needs and you are an emotional, um, supporter for your children's entire lifetime and that's a very important role today not a smothering role not of like i don't really care finding that balance and some of your kids will need you in certain ways than others people go through divorce um you know when you became a mom yourself some people turn to their own mother their own mother-in-law some other mother in their life how how did you get through this how did you deal with this crying baby and when you can't understand what they want their diapers clean and they just ate you know did they really latch enough did they get enough milk you know I don't know what to do I mean all those uncertainties you will depend on other people in your life who you trust who you feel close to and and they need to be supportive of you not like well you're doing it wrong you know you're doing it wrong I mean I, I doubt anybody's doing it wrong except if they there's some other ways to swaddle a baby to help them there's some tips on how to deal with a colic baby some will work for your baby and some will not But at least if you have 10 to try, that's more than one, right? Right. Um, You know, driving around the neighborhood when they can't get to sleep, you know, putting them in the car seat on top of the dryer so they can feel the vibration. We don't even exactly know what colic is. We just labeled this, you know, behavior. And it's really that those children, those infants' brains, they can't tune out the stimulus. So they're reacting to the stimulus. So even being quieter won't make any sense to them. Because they're trying to process um, the stimulus in a different way, and all they're going to do is cry. I mean, a colicky baby will do a lot, a lot of crying, and because they don't have words and they can't, you know, barely reach out and grab something because they're so little. So, um, I mean, they grab on your finger, maybe the bottle or whatever. But their greatest expression is crying. Crying was the hardest thing for me to get my my first child dealing with crying and how what did that mean and how would I solve it and what would I do? And um, getting used to crying and trying to understand the different kinds of cries, each child. There's no perfect science here. It's not a formula, you know, you mix this with this and you're gonna get that.
0: Right. Yeah, it's true. And I love it. You said the, you know, no shaming and really, you know, a self-love, because I think that's something that I really had to learn and go through as well and like even my own mom who I love to death and I'm very close to like she and I have completely different views when it comes to motherhood in the sense of a stay-at-home mom and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and that was her job she was a homemaker and that's what she wanted to do I'm a stay-at-home mom who also works from home and, you know, in a non COVID world, there's a bunch of different TV segments or the TV personality, you know, and, you know, goes out, you know, once week, to the studio and comes home and then mostly works from home for social media and content creation for brands and all these different things. And so I'm home, but yet I'm still in it. And, you know, working as a mom and raising, you know, my daughters. And to me, I'm like, okay, my girls, and then, you know, work and then the house. And my mom would like come visit and she'd be like, Oh my God, the house is a disaster. Like this needs to be done. This needs to be done. And I used to let it really bother me and I used to let it really get to me and I would try to do a million things and I would get so frustrated and I finally had to let go. And I had to say to her, listen, if it really bothers you when you're here, by all means, feel free to clean up and do whatever you want to do, but it doesn't bother me and I will get to it, but it's not on my top priorities and I cannot make myself insane Worrying about the laundry and the this downstairs and the this, I have to focus on my girls, my work, and my own sanity and my own mental health and everything else before I worry about the dishes that are in the sink right now.
1: Well, I think that was really brave for you to do because a lot of people feel judged by a mother, mother in law, father, father in law, grandparent, or whatever, and they don't know how to set limits. So I really take my hat off to you, Allie, that you were able to get the courage up to say, I love you but this is not helpful. You know, this, what I need is for somebody to come in and not judge me about the way the place looks. And the reality is dirty laundry is just an inconvenience. It is not a health or mental health hazard. Okay? Making sure that you know kids can't put stuff in their mouth and things are on the ground, of course that relates to safety and that you know, things are put away that might be dangerous, okay? like chemicals or things you clean with. But beyond that, you know, feeling the love and support from others. It's what fuels us when we feel judged or looked down upon. We just want to go in the bathroom and cry ourselves or just burst out crying. Mean, yes. It's, Craw, it's, crawl the, into a hole. <laughs> crawl into a hole and then getting out of a hole is worse. So I think other people in terms of being supportive and not being judged, it's like park these judgments outside. Are you here to help? Because if you're not here to help, don't come home. You know, I mean, it's like, it's too hard. And whether or not they understood it when they were parenting a young child or they don't understand it now being really clear about what you need i need you not to judge me i need this is what i need i need if you're going to come over can you do anything to help you know my mother was wonderful when both our children were born my mother said i'm going to come for a few weeks and stay with you and my mother was kind of person what do you want me to do? cook clean change diapers my mother just was that kind of a person. She said, what help do you need? I want you You're going to take a nap. I'm taking the baby. You know, you, you, I'm going to take her a walk. I'm going to put him in the stroller, whatever. I mean, they were newborns. I mean, yes. she came the minute I gave birth or while I was giving birth. But that was so important because your body is trying to recuperate. At the same time, you're trying to create this um, psychological and emotional attachment um, to this new person in your family. And all of those are a lot of competing interests and a lot of people say, Oh God, my mother-in-law came. It's terrible. She criticized. I end up fighting with my husband and it was his mother and he wouldn't stand up to her. And then you have relationship issues, right? It's hard enough to be in a marriage or a partnership and parent children to have all these other people in the partnership, right? Right. we are telling you you should do this and you should do that and you're doing that. Well, why don't you tell your mom to back off? She's your mom. And then the other person says, well, I don't, I don't know how to tell it to my mom. I'm afraid of her. And you're right. like, yeah, but I'm getting run over by your mom. So those are things in the relationship. And when people come parents and they're in a couple of some kind, even negotiating, what are those roles? You're nursing. Do you Did you decide to pump at all yet so that your husband can feed the baby and you can get a break? Some people do. Some people don't. Some people have to run to work. But running to work now is a really modified thing. And they're not sure they want to pump. They just want to naturally breastfeed. Some people are not breastfeeding and why doesn't the father feed the child? Why don't you, who's the morning person? Who's the night person who who can deal with the toddler who's running around and needs attention? Negotiating all those things in your life, making yourself feel it's okay. Allie to negotiate. it. You're worth it. Allie to negotiate any mom or dad out there. You're worth it. You're you. That's what self-love is. I'm worth it. I can ask what I need. The person might not be able to give it, but I want them to understand, this is what I need. Not like you're a jerk, you're a-hole, whatever you, name calling, start with what do you need? I need what? And if you can answer that question, and maybe you don't know what the answer is, maybe it's not so simple. Because you need them to do the laundry, but they want to come over and play with the children, the parent grandparents, they don't want to do the laundry. But then I need you not to criticize me under any circumstances. I'm I need your love and support and that is minus your criticism. This is my home. I'm the parent here and you're the grandparents. And people establishing those relationships, like you were saying, a lot of people have moved in together during this COVID crisis. And they're negotiating all kinds of relationships that they weren't living together with these people before and their family and they, you know, there's too much noise for certain people. People are used to their privacy. And they're trying to figure out how to do this in these very unprecedented times.
0: Right. Well, and I love what you said about, you know, allowing yourself to kind of draw those boundaries and be aware and speak up because that was very hard for me. And thank you for saying that. And, you know, I love my mom to death. And like I said, we're very close. And I just realized that when it came to like what was important to her and what was important to me, it was just not on the same page. And so once I was able to voice that, then it was like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to clean up what bothers me when I'm here because it bothers me. That's fine. You move it around. You, you clean it up. You do what you need to do for your own sanity. I'm good with that, but just don't bring it to me because like you said, it's not helpful, you know? And so it's like, I think a lot of times, again, we feel judged in our own minds already and then when we feel it from someone else, especially someone who we're close to and we love as our parent and whatever, it's hard for us then to be able to say to them, Hey, listen, this is not helping me. And that was something I really struggled with. But now I feel like our d- dynamic is getting so much better because like, as I'm an adult, obviously and learning as a new mom and she's now in a different role and everything else, we're understanding each other more. And it's like, okay, you let me know what help you need, you know? And it was like, obviously before COVID, when she was planning to, you know, come out and help and everything, she was like, I will come when you tell me to come instead of just coming. I will, I will be there when you awesome. need me and You tell me to need, me, you know, and I really appreciated that because it was like, okay, you listened to me. We worked through it. Like we figured it out. We drew some boundaries. It was hard. There was some friction, but now we're better for it.
1: Exactly. And think about it in, in the whole development of your, that your children growing, it's the same thing. They're going to be pulling on you physically, your heartstrings, one of your attention. And sometimes you're going to have to say, you know, this is mommy's quiet time. We're all going to lie down and take a nap. You know, this is, you know, setting up those boundaries are so important. And even when people struggle with the boundary, interesting, you said, well, you told your mom, well, if that stuff bothers you, take care of it. I would have said, you know, um, I really need your help so thank you for doing that because you're helping my whole family when you do that so then she feels appreciated okay so people feel like they want to be appreciated they want to be useful it's interesting when you say well if it bothers you just take care of it you could add to that i'm so glad you helped me so you you're all and i know you did thank your mother but people oftentimes says yeah just get off my back it's like no by you doing that you're doing something great for me and i can smile and virtually hug you or whatever and say thank you that's so important people even asking people what do you need half the time nobody asks the parent what do you need ally what do you need to get through today you know whether the technology was happening you needed me let's be clear you needed me to say it's fine we had to reschedule and i'm totally flexible at reschedule and i'm totally empathetic i didn't know how young your child was but you said you were nursing and you had a baby and i'm thinking like oh boy you know she's got a podcast she's got a business I can be flexible today. I'm going to be around for a couple hours. No problem. We'll get it done. So by doing that, just even, we don't, we don't even have a personal relationship. We have a business little relationship.
0: That, how did that make you feel? Oh, I immediately, immediately felt like, like the weight was lifted. I was like, okay, great. I can get this done. I can get the girls down for a nap. I can nurse. I can figure this out and I can get on, you know? And it was no longer like the stress of run around, fix this. Why isn't the internet working? What's happening? You know, and, and all this chaos. It was just like, okay, everything's working itself out. And now I can get on and focus and be happy to be able to connect and do my show. So that's exactly the principle
1: I was talking about in terms of if we reach out and support one another, we make ourselves feel good. And there's so much, so many other ways that people need to ask, how can I help you? Instead of assuming that you need me to bring a casserole over that you can eat for the next three days. Okay. Maybe that's not what you need. And even moms need to say to their friends and families, hey, I could really use some help here, and here's what it means. You know, I have this appointment I can't change. I have this Zoom meeting. It's not moving. And can you just come over? And Coming over is difficult. But you know what I'm saying. Yes. Whatever you need to do, can, can um, they play with you on, um, on Zoom, you know, grandma or grandpa. And, and talk with you. I mean, they're old enough to sit there. Not ki- not all kids are old enough to sit there. At Zoom, they, they look at it and they run away. And <laughs> well, that's fun. And they make it into a game. But I think that um, asking people, what is it you need? When we want to help somebody, assuming we know what they want is usually not the greatest thing to assume. Now with kids, a lot of kids are feeling very distressed or whatever. And parents who know their children say, well, I know what they're not. They need a little fun. They need a little laughter. They need to let up on some things. They need to figure out how to connect with their friends. We need to make something out of this. And I need to help reduce the fear factor. Talking honestly about what worries kids helps them release the fear. Having them sink it down under. Oh, everything's fine. And we're going to be happy and it's not perfect when there is no normal yet in terms of one's life. That is very important, whether you're going to decide to talk about racism or prejudice or this COVID virus or you think your kids are angst, like this kid is chill, but my other kid just seems on edge, on edge. Ask them, what can I do for you? It's just like when people say, I say to people all the time, like what's getting in the way of you getting that done? What's getting in the way of you doing what you want to do? What's getting in the way of you making the next move, school, career, life. What's getting in the way? And it's also when people are fearful, it's like, what's the, what's the greatest fear about your house being dirty? It's just somebody's going to judge you. It's not going to make you sick or ill. I mean, it's not going to, I mean, I think people are just worried about being judged, you know, and um, letting, giving yourself permission to roll with the flow and figure out what's important to you alley between your work your children your husband your life your home some things just give up on it just laugh about it try to laugh even in the spite of even in times when it doesn't seem like laughter it's that funny you know you know what they say laughing is contagious right you start laughing people start laughing for no reason people start smiling for no reason there's a lot of benefits for our well-being about that and um, moving through it it's like you know, I even do this in meditation with people, let it go, let it go, let it go. So when you have your eyes closed and you're breathing, you can even imagine writing in the air, let it go, explanation point, and sending those negative thoughts out the room, out the house, out the ceiling, out the street, that you have the power with your mind and your body to send things out. So you, your neck might be killing you because you're stressing about something at work or your four-year-old wants to go put diapers on. And a lot of kids have been reverting developmentally sometimes because of the stress during this time or they want to hold your hand all the time. Where are you, mommy? Where are you, mommy? Where are you, mommy? Ten, every 10 seconds, they want to be glued to you and you're thinking like, okay, something's going on. Something's going on. How am I going to address that? So tuning in, not tuning out is really important, but doing those fun stuff, We all got, I mean, people are doing family things that are fun now that they never did before because the kids aren't running to other places. Everybody's generally speaking with their own family. So whether they're doing a puzzle or making up a dance or making a video or um, drawing together, the simple stuff really works because that time spent together cannot be replaced with anything else. It really doesn't even matter what you're doing as long as it's not harmful to each other, as long as it's helpful or funny or light or whatever. Teaching kids how to cook simple things, you know, not, you know, um, I remember my son, he wanted to make chocolate chip cookies. He was like eight. He told me, I'm not following the recipe, mom. I said, okay. The cookies came out flat as a pancake. (laughs) They never rose because he decided he's not putting the baking soda in. And he came to me, you know, I mean, I took him out of the oven. He didn't touch the oven. I said. what do you think, Jeremy? He says, well, they don't really look like cookies. They look like a flat pancake, Mom. And I said, <laughs> yeah, well, that's why following the recipe is, is a good idea. You know, yeah, you could have yeah. gone in there and said, of course you better measure exactly this, that, yeah." So he made this flat pancakes, excuse me, cookies. that didn't really taste that great. So what? He, he didn't get harmed. He learned something from it and he had a little fun with it. And I think those little things, especially in times of stress, just pausing even while you're holding the baby even if you just close your eyes for a minute and what i talk about is dropping into your own body just to feel that release and opening your eyes up again because you got another kid running around right and you got to pay attention right because she's two or three right Mm -hmm. two right and that means they're running they're going they're non-stop you're thinking how do they have so much energy And um, and it's great that your baby, um, that your, your youngest is um, very easygoing and um, th- their temperament seems like, you know, nothing is phasing them this time. So when they get a little older, they might be a little different. And so you have one eye and hand on the child in this way, and this child is needing other things. And more hands on deck is great. If there's a grandparent or um, a friend or anybody who these kids can relate to, You want to bring them into the family to be part of this growth potential because, um, there's, it's just too much. It's just too much between work, children, a home, a relationship an adult relationship, marriage or partnership or whatever. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so cutting yourself a break is one of my biggest suggestions. And I've interviewed kids before and I said to them, what do you want mom or dad to do? I said, you know, it's, it's just, you know, even at school we get recess. You know, we don't have to be on every minute. You know, they need to relax. Kids will say all the time, "Parents need to relax," you know, and that's because they're feeling the pressure. You know, if if my kids don't do this and this, have they learned that and that? They're doing online learning. Well, that's not enough, and I have to supplement it with this, and I don't understand the algebra, and oh my god, this, that, and the other. That's a lot. Just even saying that. Makes my head hurt, you know? Yeah. We just need to chill it down to the point where what's really important? It's summer. Finding things for your kids to do that are safe, that are nurturing, that allow you to work if you work, that allow you to play when you can play. Parents need to be really creative in where they live. And that's very different for very different families. Some families are moving in together because people have lost jobs. They may have, um, you know, have to make serious trade-offs between buying certain foods and buying diapers. Um, and there are economic pressures all around. We have 40 million people unemployed in this country. We have more unemployment than we did during the Great Depression. And it's not going to go away next week as well as this virus. So all that, it's sort of like, that's why I always used the tree, like the big sequoia trees in California or whatever, the big oak trees in the East Coast wherever it's like, it's like parents can rise as the Phoenix with their children, with their families and however they define this group because of resilience. And it's not just bouncing back. It's building those strengths at the roost so that you can bounce back so that you just feel strong that you can face the day and wake up and say, okay, well, this is a new day, new day, new things to do. I mean, I got a pile of papers in my office. I'm supposed to organize today. And I'm just going to give myself a break. It doesn't really get in the way of me working. It's just annoying, you know? It's annoying. Um, But am I still working? Yeah. Am I still productive? Yeah. Um, It's the same thing with kids. If cleaning up their room can, if their room's kind of messy, let it alone. If that only means you're fighting, let it alone. These are very uncertain times. And what you're feeling, they're feeling. Like you were saying about your oldest, we don't know exactly how. people empathically pick up energy in a room or feel certain things or internalize certain things i've seen kids who seem very confident and then their sibling doesn't feel confident same parents and you're thinking like how did that happen is that nurture is that genes and na- nurture and nur- nurture and nature probably some combination and again people adapt to different things differently people right can- have something happen to them and they just roll with the punches and five years later it comes up. That's the other thing. We don't know what the long-term effects are of any of the things we're experiencing now. But if we stay in the here and now, and I don't mean say positive in a Pollyannish way. I, I'm not saying ignore what's really going on. You should inform yourself. You should protect your children from having too much news around them. Because a lot of kids, I remember 9-11, I went to pick my daughter up at the preschool, and everybody was crying hysterically. I'm thinking, like, did they watch the news? You know, they're in preschool, and you're going to pick them up because you know the, we're in LA, and they're, the towers they hit the towers, and they hit, you know, the Pentagon, and you're like, you, you watch the news. Everybody's calling you. You're running, to get your kid. I'm like, why are the kids crying? The kids are crying because some mother announced that all these people died, and she's telling all these four-year-olds about this. And I'm like, why is she talking to four-year-olds about this death? It's like, mom's here, Emma. Let's go. We're gonna go home. We're gonna have a day at home. You know, and I will quietly tell you what's going on. She said, mommy, I'm crying. Everybody's crying. You know, one kid cries at preschool. They all start crying,
0: right? Of course, yeah. It's like
1: the babies. Your baby cries. The next baby next to you cries. The next baby cries. Right? It's like a contagion. So um, maybe it's a way of communicating. Maybe it's not all not pain and suffering. It's like the way they're communicating. We can't understand them. They have a secret code, like dogs <laughs> and cats. Right? Could be,
0: right. Could be, right. Yeah, it's true though. It's it, it and they do feel you and they do feel your energy. And I think that's where I've just tried to become very mindful as a mom, even in you know, the pandemic, even when being pregnant during the pandemic and being in quarantine, all that was very hard. But I really used meditation for myself and journaling and all of that to really stay mindful to be able to be aware of how I was reacting so that Amelia wasn't seeing, you know, me just have a major breakdown or me be, you know, totally just stressed and tried to just release. And I kept telling myself also, you know, during quarantine, like, you know what, things are not Quote unquote normal right now. I have to just kind of go with the flow. Not every day may be productive and that's okay. And like you said, like, go have fun. Like I would go outside and just play with her in her little pool, just the two of us, you know, and run around, you know, for a few minutes. So I got tired, of course, from being so pregnant, but you know, you just play outside and laugh and have pops and have a good time. And, you know, it also brought out a little bit of the inner child in me. I realized and did make me feel better and made me feel less stressed and more happy and just in the moment. And I do think that during this time, as obviously as hard as all this can be and heavy it can all be and uncertain, I do think there is so much beauty in that we are spending so much time with our families and those we love, you know, and, and just different experiences that we wouldn't have had and connecting with ourselves, you know, in different ways and just different ways of growth that I don't think most of us would have allowed, because like you said earlier, we all kind of just go, go, go. And we think, Oh, I can't stop. And Oh, how am I going to do that? My mind will never shut off. And in this time it's like, you're almost being forced to do those things. Exactly. And it's,
1: and it, it's almost like embrace the unexpected because there is no s- simple answers. There's no crystal ball here. And it's the same thing. You know, your kid's going to, you think you're falling around so closely. And then all of a sudden they fall and they scrape their knee you think, Oh, did I miss that? Don't focus on the, did I miss it? Uh, focus on kissing the boo-boo, getting the bandaid and moving on. And if it's not a serious thing, you don't want the kid to fret about it. You know, it's like, don't judge yourself first do the reaching out of love and support for that other person. And it could be a friend who really needs you. There are people who are alone, who are afraid to leave, who have, um, you know, maybe their children aren't at home anymore, they're adults, and they have underlying health conditions. And they're more shut in than ever. So they're getting Instacart in places, they're delivering them food. They're not even going to the store to pick up anything. They are concerned about even leaving. And thinking about, um, I asked my neighbor the other day, I was back down the driveway and her father's 94. Y'all need anything? He said, "Yeah, toilet paper." You know, it's like a month ago, and I'm like, "Okay, fine. I'm gonna, I'm on a mission," you know. And it said I could get one packet of toilet paper. I did that, and I tossed it to her, and they were so happy. And I feel like, you know, this is great. I got to do something for somebody else, even though we could, you know, we could talk over the fence, we could talk ten feet away, yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, that's the same thing. Every time you reach out, every time you give yourself a break, you're helping yourself in more ways. I mean. All that angst just puts you in the or flight mode, which puts your whole immune system on the alert and your whole body on the alert, and it's very hard to um, to um, prevent certain kinds of things happening when you're like that. You just and it's not go to the flow that I'm not paying attention. It's paying attention but releasing all those little things that are not that important. So playing and running around, like you just said, that's great about the inner child. People think, you know, it's like, you know, we, I, we, I played Scrabble the other night with my husband. I hadn't done that in like 25 years and we did it and we had fun doing it. I mean, there are little things like board game or making up things. People are so creative with their kids. Now. I mean, you see it on Facebook and the internet or whatever that people are like making up games or making up songs or making up music. They're making up things they would have never done otherwise. And, um, I think we're all growing from that part of the experience, what you said, the richness of being together and trying to get through what's going on, but have some fun along the way. Um, And that level for people are very different. Some people are still struggling with serious mental health issues. Some people are still struggling with things they can't get help for now that they thought they had helped before. And a lot of things are not effective and people are struggling you know people are talking about hey i've been clean and sober and you know, everybody wants to have a zoom party and start drinking it's like oh a wine party oh well i've been clean and sober for like two months before covid and can i handle this going forward and but many programs are going online not just what we do and there is support out there keep seeking it that's what we say asking for help is a sign of strength because people felt, and people do get blamed and shame even when they ask for help and they gotta keep asking and they need to rise above it. You know, when people have somebody with serious mental health illness, the only place they have to go when there's an episode is the emergency room. We don't have intermediary mental health, we don't have community mental health anymore people understand that this person is bipolar and they're off their medication or whatever, a lot of those things don't, they don't exist. They don't exist. I mean, even places where people might think a food bank exists, you drive up with a car. That's if you have a car to try to get food. And um, I think thinking about others and thinking what we need to do in this country to get through this. And every time you wash your hands, you can think about how you're getting rid of those germs. And so that you can protect yourself and anybody else you might touch because even the people you live with, when you go outside to do something, come back in, it's really important to wash your hands so that you're not giving anything to anybody else. But I think, again, setting ourselves free from these enormous expectations that really don't make us happy anywhere. I think, I think we think they make us happy, but we're so uptight about them, achieving, achievement, achievement, achievement. We feel so much pressure that we're going to be judged and we're judging ourselves that we're tense the whole time we're talking about it. So, you know, letting up on ourselves is a good place to start. It'll also help to reduce anxiety or depression people might feel, which are very interrelated. You know, people tell me, I'm, I'm just depressed. I, I've never felt anxious. And then they tell me all these stories about how they express their depression. And I'm thinking like, well, that's anxiety. They're very related to people. Um, and I think everybody is, is struggling in some, in some way. And you never know. You might become this really crafty person. You might decide you have a singing voice. You never knew that before. Um, you might develop some real talent. People are doing a lot of baking and maybe you'll start a catering business one day. Who knows? Um, maybe you finally learned how to bake bread and you thought forever you wouldn't learn. So people are trying to experience new things. Um, and I think all that feeds our soul. All that makes us feel better overall and in the long run.
0: Yes. And that's such a great message. And I love everything you shared and thank you so much for you know all your hacks and you know your expertise and just being so honest and also allowing parents at this time that are listening to really feel you know that grace and that support and everything else. I think like you said, there's so much expectations, there's so much, oh, I must, you know, make this happen, must make that happen. And especially right now, we need to allow ourselves that grace and that flex and flow and flexibility to be able to not only get through, but be able to be happy and sane and healthy to be able to navigate this time. So thank you so much, Dr. Lisa, for being on and for sharing so much with myself and with everyone else. Um, of course, this will all be in the show notes, but will you just tell us kind of, you know, where, of course, we can find you on social. If someone wants to reach out to you, go ahead and plug yourself.
1: It's um, If you live in California, you'll go to ca parentyouthhelpline.org. Or you can go to pound on social media. You can go on pound uh, parents anon because it's so long of a word. Um, And also, you can go just call us and you can text us um, and you can live chat us at the same number 1 855 427 2736. We're open 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, 8 to 8 Pacific time. So you can translate that for wherever you are in the country. You can email us from our website. Um, we have all kinds of information pieces on there about development, what to do with infants, what to do with adolescents, how to talk about racism or prejudice for a child. How do you even put a face covering on your child's face? What age not to do it? What issues not to address? All those things will be helpful. And please, never stop reaching out. That, that I can't say that enough until you get the help you need, not what other people think you need. You need to really dig deep to figure out what that is and have Thank a wonderful you. day.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Lisa. I really appreciate it. And everyone till next time, cheers. Bye.